Hey there, friend. Listen, I want to invite you to join me for an upcoming presentation I'm offering called How to Shift from Willpower to Want Power. If you're tired of feeling like you have the best of intentions with food and weight, only to have it all fall by the wayside by the time your head hits the pillow at night, then this is for you. If you're interested in making permanent weight loss easier and less of a struggle, then this is for you. If you're curious what want power is, which you probably should be, and can't wait to learn how to incorporate it into your journey toward peace and freedom around food, then this is for you. I'll be presenting live twice on Wednesday, May 1st, 2024, at both noon and 7.30 p.m. Central Time Zone. I'll answer your questions live and we'll have a really good time together. But if you can't make either of those days, I'm not going to make you get a replay emailed into your inbox only for it to get lost and never be watched no matter how deeply you want to make time to go through it. Because I mean, honestly, who are we kidding? (laughs) We've all done this, including me. No, instead, we are offering multiple watch parties for several days after the live presentation. So come watch the replay with other doctors and interact in the chat with them and my team. So either way, whether you come live or to a watch party, it will be worth your time for sure. All you have to do is register at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash want power. That's katrinaubellmd.com forward slash w-a-n-t-p-o-w-e-r. See you there. You are listening to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast with Katrina Ubell, MD, episode number 231. Welcome to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Master Certified Life and Weight Loss Coach, Katrina Ubell, MD. This is the podcast where busy doctors like you come to learn how to lose weight for the last time by harnessing the power of your mind. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food, you're in the right place. Well, hey there, my friend. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. So happy to have you with me again today. How are you doing? I love to just think about you as I record these. (laughs) I like to just think about us getting together, maybe hanging out in my new attic office. We can hang out on the couch up here. It's very nice and comfy now. And we can just, you know, share some coffee or some tea and talk and just hear each other (laughs) sharing about what's going on in each other's lives. I feel like I'm just right on the cusp of being able to see some friends who live out of state out of the country. And but we're not like quite there yet. And I'm just I'm desperate for it. I'm really, really, really wanting to connect with people. And then can I be honest, there's a little part of me that's also like, oh, can't I just stay in my house? Do I really have to go places and do things? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that you understand. I mean, the, the if you're a massive extrovert, you're going to be like, what are you crazy? If you're a massive introvert, you're like, listen, I would be happy if we were in lockdown 24 seven. But if you're like me, and you're somewhere in the middle, there's like a part of you that loves that. And there's a part of you that really is a little reminiscent of what it was like to just not have anything to do or anywhere to go. It was actually a little bit nice, wasn't it? <laughs> Felt very simple at the time. 
in terms of that part, obviously, it didn't feel simple because there was a global pandemic and we were scared to death and we didn't know what was going on. So anyway, maybe I should just stop talking about that. The point is that the weather is so nice here in Wisconsin. I know if you live further in the south, then it's not so much. And if you live south, south, like in the southern hemisphere, then you're heading into winter. So I know it can be different wherever you are in the world, but it's just finally starting to get super, super nice here. And I just love that. Super digging it. I'm excited. My my oldest son, my high schooler is actually finished with with high school already. I'm recording this a couple of weeks before it's going to go live. And my other two have a couple of weeks left, but then they've got some fun camps scheduled. And yeah, my high schooler got his first vaccine shot. And so it's just like, we are moving forward. Like this is happening, people. It's very, very exciting. Okay, so on to our episode today. Today, I have a really fun and interesting uh, podcast guest. Her name is Latifat Akintade. She is a GI physician, and she also is a coach for women physicians and really just women who want to understand their money better. Now, you may be wondering, why is someone talking about money on a weight loss podcast? And I will tell you that we discussed that in our conversation. In fact, Latifat, she she reached out to me and asked me if she could come on. And I, you know, I don't just take people lightly. I'm kind of like, yeah, okay, what do you want to talk about? Why would my listener be interested? And she actually just had such great things to say. I was like, absolutely, <laughs> you should come on because we all need to hear this. And so if you have ever struggled with money or even just your mindset around it, meaning feeling like it's complicated, feeling like, you know what, you don't need to worry about it because your partner has that all handled and he or she seems to do a really good job. So you don't need to worry about it or just anything around money, which pretty much you probably do. I mean, if we're being honest, you probably do then you're going to want to listen to this one. She is just a really interesting person who, like so many of us coaches, had a problem herself and then found the solution and now helps others to create that same solution. So she is just a delight. She's just a really fun person. I had a really great time talking with her, thoroughly enjoyed it. And I can't wait for you to listen in as well. So please enjoy Latifat Akintade, and I will talk to you next week. Latifat, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, Katrina, for having me be here with you. So what I would love for you to do is to just start off by introducing everyone listening to you and kind of your journey, your backstory, and how you came to be doing what you do today. Absolutely. Hello, everybody. I'm Latifat. I'm a GI doc. I'm also a mama of three little ladies, ages three to eight. I live in California. I am a money coach, and what that means is that I help women learn to have money and just leave the kind of life that they want to leave. And, you know, it's interesting that you asked me to share how I came to this point. People are like, oh, well, you know, you have this money stuff figured out. And I'm like, no. (laughs) Well, usually we we become the person that we needed. Exactly. Exactly. I am now the person I wish I had when I was done in residency because this journey didn't start out fancy or pretty. It started with me being broke, not knowing anything at all about money, 
living paycheck to paycheck. And I mean, I went to residence in New York. I came to California for fellowship. And at that point, we had one kid. And I mean, all I wanted to do was be a great GI doc. None of this like money stuff, you know, none of this business stuff. I just wanted to be a fantastic doc. And I remember one day sitting down, looking around me and realizing how much burnout there was in medicine and how my attendings, who I absolutely loved so much, were kind of going through the motions and like drifting one step at a time. And I was like, listen, I have a daughter then. I have three now. I know that I want to do GI for a very, very long time. I know that I want to do IBD, Crohn's and colitis type stuff. And the best settings to do that is either in an academic setting or in a large hospital system like Kaiser. So I knew that I was going to be, quote unquote, stuck with someone by choice. And if I didn't get my money right, I was going to be a slave to someone's decisions. And I was never going to have a power of choice. And I was never going to be the kind of parent that I wanted to be. That was so, let mo- me interrupt. Just sorry for just one second. So and the reason you're saying that, let me just make sure I'm understand this correctly, is because you realized you weren't going to be like hanging out your own shingle, starting your own practice, doing your own thing. You're like, I'm going to be a part of some larger institution if I wanted to do what I think I want to do. And so you were realizing kind of how you were stuck there. Absolutely. I was realizing exactly how I stuck there and realizing that If I did what a lot of my attendings were doing in their life 360, which was not really paying attention to their finances, trusting someone else only to take care of their finances, not being financially independent, living paycheck to paycheck, I was not going to be able to be my own free-minded self in medicine, which is not what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you have this, you know, rock bottom moment, (laughs) if that was your rock bottom moment. And so what did you do? So I started looking at my finances. I mean, number one, I, which is huge. Okay. That's huge though. Cause usually we're scared to death. We don't want to know what the numbers are. Yeah. Yes. I was scared to death until that moment. Let me like, literally I had student debt. I didn't know how much I owed because the only thing I had done up to that point was defer, forbear, whatever the heck I could do to like not see it. Right. And and we were living paycheck to paycheck. My husband had a decent job, but still we didn't know how much we were making. We didn't know how much we were spending. We were surviving on Starbucks because we're like, we just got to survive. Right. That's what we were doing. So for us, the first step was just sitting down and going, okay, let's even get a sense of how bad this is. Right. It's like, how much do I owe? And bringing out that statement, looking at it, and realizing that I wasn't going to die if I knew the number of six figures I owed. That was like the first step for us was how much do we even owe? Like, what is even the interest rate? I mean, we were paying like six to eight percent by that time. And we've been doing that for like years, for six years or so. And so, I mean, my student loan looked different than what it was when I graduated And that's very common with a lot of physicians where we don't, no one has told us about money. We've been told not to worry about it. You'll be okay. You're a doctor, right? But what we found is that our six figures plus income doesn't necessarily automatically translate into being wealthy or rich or even have money at all, right? So the first step is just really getting a sense of where the heck are we? Where are we even starting from? And then now let's build from there. Now, let me ask you this. Once you knew what the number was, did you, even though it, you know, was arguably a large number, 
did you feel some relief in actually understanding what the facts were or did you feel worse? Like, cause I could see it going either way where like the, cause if you're in denial, it feels better to just like not know. But some people I think are so afraid to look that they, the story they tell themselves is so awful that they're, they're so scared that, you know, that actually knowing the facts is useful. So, I mean, now as a coach, I wish I could say I looked at it and I thought, well, awareness is awesome. No, that was not what I thought. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm a GI doc. I'm allowed to say shit a little bit. So I looked at it. I'm like, oh, shit. (laughs) Like, what the heck am I supposed to do now? Like, it wasn't it wasn't that relief at all. It was how did we get here how are we going to get out of here? But at the back of my mind, I already had told myself that the worst thing was already the status quo, right? So yeah. after that initial- So it can only get better out, from here. It can only get better. <laughs> so, But I did freak out at first. And then I was like, all right, Latifat, it can only get better, I think. <laughs> and that's how that journey started. Okay. Okay. So, so that was the first thing, finding out what was going on, having awareness- and then where did you even know what, like where to start? So once I figured out how much I owed, I now, we started out and just deciding what is it, like, what do we even want, right? Because a lot of times it's not unusual to see doctors in their 60s still paying off their student debt, which is, if that's what which you want Nobody to do. tells you, I just want to point out, nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about that, right? You see physicians in the hospital working like they should be retired, right? And no one talks about that. And there's nothing wrong in practicing medicine till you're a hundred years old, if that's what you want to do. But the key is having that power of choice. And that's what I realized that I had to take the power back from this unintentional, just letting life happen to me through my money to being empowered and figuring out what exactly do I want. So at that point, we said, when do we want this debt gone? That was our first question. We didn't know how we were going to do it, but we just said, let's at least have goals. And that's what I always tell people. Just get a sense. Like, what would I want? Do I want this done in 10 years? Do I want it done in five years? Like, what would life like life look like when I'm done? And just dream a little bit, like have fun with it. Because honestly, what I found is we take money so seriously. We don't like, it's <laughs> right? very scary for a lot of people. Exactly. Yeah. But what I found is when we can have, make it a little less scary and maybe a little fun, we actually find that it's not, as intimidating as we think it is, right? And that's part of where the dreaming did help us was what would that mean if we're done with paying student debt in five years? Like, okay, well, I'll have this amount of money left every month. What would we do with it? Oh, well, I don't care what we do with it. Maybe we could vacation. We could do this. Like just dream, just have fun. It doesn't have to be so serious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that that is good in terms of creating like a future focus. Like we don't want to get into that place where, and I, I actually hear about this a lot, especially with the people who are, I think it's called FIRE, you know, it's like the abbreviation where it's like all about being financially independent, retiring early, all of this stuff. And so people are living this extremely austere lifestyle. They aren't allowing themselves to spend money on anything extra so that they can achieve, you know, FIRE or whatever, you know, like get to that place. And like, obviously you can do whatever you want. It's everybody has their own, you know, ability to do, make whatever choices they want. But I, I think that there are a lot of people who decide to do that because 
they think they're going to feel so much better when they have whatever number they think that is, right? Like it's, it's not so much, I think the money that they want, I think it's the feeling that they want. And when we're living for the feeling we're going to have in the future, I find that almost always that feeling is never as good as you think it's going to be. (laughs) It's, it's usually a disappointment in some way, shape or form. And so what we have to do, right, is go, you know, that's going to be awesome to have all that extra money left over in five years or 10 years, however long. But today we also can love our life. We don't have to hate ourselves because we have all this debt. It's funny that you bring that up. I did a post, I think last, a few days ago on my social media platform where I put a picture of my husband and I were married and it was a picture from six years ago and one from like, I don't know, two months ago. And we, our net worth completely different. And I think what a lot of people thought I was going to write was I'm happier now. No, no, no. There is no light at the end of the tunnel. Like you get to bring that light in right now. I'm not happier now than I was then. And in fact, what I find is one of the reasons why we spend, overspend or underspend is related to how we feel, right? And what I find is when we can build ourselves up from the inside out, we actually spend less. We enjoy our money more. We invest better because we're not like, I'm going to hit myself if I lose money. You're like, I'm not going to hit myself. I'll be okay. Right. And what happens is our net worth grows. So the sooner you can start to love yourself, the sooner your net worth is going to (laughs) grow. Totally. Because, you know, this, this is something that I think so many people find is like the more money they make, just the more they spend. So they're like, but I make so much money. Why do I not have more in savings? And, you know, this, this is, I'm sure exactly what you help people with, but there is a lot of money mindset and thoughts and all kinds of beliefs that we have that are, you know, based in scarcity around money that so many people have. And so just recognizing that, you know, even the people, I feel like the people who are like, all of a sudden, then they have like all these financial, you know, these big financial things, like things break in their car or their house. And they're like, they just can't keep money. It's like, there's something going on deeper that, that creates that environment for you, right? Not to blame you, but just like, it's really interesting. Like, why do some people seem like they always keep having problems and problems and problems and others don't? It's like, there's some difference there. And I think it's worth finding out what that is. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And for those that are listening on the podcast, I'm like nodding myself, my head, like vigorously. I'm probably going to get like <laughs> arthritis in my neck soon, but it's so true. And I mean, kind of going back to the journey and I know we sort of like left the journey and we yes, came here. Come back. Let's go back to the journey. Tell me. Because <laughs> the thing is, so I started, so our, we started digging ourselves out of debt, like the credit card debt we had and all that stuff. And I started learning about money a little bit because I didn't know what anything was. I didn't know what a 401k was. I learned about budgeting, but I hated the budget. I'm like, this is not me. Like the tradition. I, yes, yes. People that listen, if you're listening, if you hate budgeting, you're my people. Because the bottom line is, and that's that's a joke in a in some way, because even the whole idea of budgeting, it's assuming there's only one way to do it. There are different ways of doing it. And the goal is I've had clients I love their spreadsheets, and I'm like, your spreadsheet gives me tachycardia, but I'll help you through it. Right. But ultimately there is something for everybody. So I had to figure out what that thing was for me. And it wasn't like picking pennies. It wasn't about having the perfect spreadsheet. It was about figuring out money the way that's imperfect, which is exactly 
exactly what I am. I'm like very, very imperfect, which is perfect for me. But that's how it started. So I just a little bit of information, one at a time, letting myself have the permission to relearn, even if I forget. I'm like, okay, I learned about a freaking 401k like 50 times already, and I still don't remember it. All right, it's okay, Latifa. It's just like every cycle, like the you know mechanisms you learn in biochem, you'll get it at some point. And I did get it eventually. Right. So at some point I was good with the number stuff, but then it still didn't make sense to me that we are physicians. We are incredibly smart and a lot of us struggle with money. And that's how the psychology, the mindset, the emotional part of money started to come into the picture for me. And I'm like, okay. This makes a lot of sense now that it's not just about the numbers. It's about this deeper stuff, this unconscious stuff, right? The stories we're telling ourselves about money, like I'm bad with money. I'm guilty about having money. I shouldn't have money. The more I I have, that means I'm taking away from others, like a whole zero sum. The more of, you know, bigger piece of pie I get, the less someone else gets. Exactly. And, you know, and that's the thing. A lot of times, whatever you believe, you can find proof of it, right? It's like rich people are greedy. Of course, if I think rich people are greedy, I don't want to be greedy. I don't want to be, I don't want to be rich. So subconsciously, I'm going to be doing everything I can to avoid being rich, even though that's not my intent on a conscious level. I think that's really important, right? Like, it's not like you're on purpose doing this. Like, I think some people can turn this into like, oh, so it's my fault now. Like, I have to blame myself. And that's not what it is. It's just there's like, I think of it as like, you know, when you go to the ocean, there can be like an undertow, like an undercurrent, you know what I mean? Like, you can't see that from the top. Like, when you're just thinking about what you're thinking, you're just seeing what's at the top. You got to dig deeper to find out what's going on down below. Absolutely. And yes, people can say, it sounds like it's my fault. Sounds like you're blaming me, but I'm going to flip that switch. What it means to me is you actually have power to change it now. Like we don't have to wait for anybody else to fix this. You, yes, you know, and the thing is, it's not your fault. It's more of what we don't know, right? And now as we learn, we can do differently, we can do better. So there's stuff happening on the subconscious level, not just to you, but all of us, including myself. And I continue to discover those. And that's really where the growth comes. And we can all grow, regardless of what your net worth is. It may be negative 500,000. It may be positive 500,000. The bottom line is, it doesn't matter. We'll have work to do. So my question for you, this is, I'll, I'll kind of tell you my personal experience slash ask you what you think about this. So So my experience with, you know, the financial kind of industry, let's just say, especially like with investing and, you know, insurance and all those things you're supposed to have, that was always extremely male dominated, meaning I didn't, I wasn't exposed to women. I'm not saying there aren't women doing that. I just, I think they're in the minority, like there's a small percentage of women who are doing that. And so it was a whole bunch of men. And I felt like, well, like, this is just what you have to do. Like, I don't even know that I really questioned it. I think I just sort of accepted, like, this is how it is. And then we had a relationship with a financial advisor for, I mean, literally we were interns and then we fired him just a couple of years ago. So it's been, it's been, it was a long time, like over 10 years, I think. And nice guy, but literally I could not understand the words coming out of his mouth. Like, like every time I would go, well, first of all, I would avoid the meetings like the plague. And then he'd be like, you, we need to have you guys come in. You have to come in. We have to meet, you know, of course, cause then it was like in person today, I'd be like, fine, I'll get on a zoom call, but I just didn't want to think about it. 
Then we'd finally get dragged in there. We'd go in there. He would explain a whole bunch of stuff, show me a bunch of charts, use a bunch of colored pens to show me a whole bunch of different things. And I would even go in going like, okay, I'm going to ask anything I don't understand. I'm going to ask a question. So I would ask questions and then the answer still didn't make sense to me. And then my husband kind of seemed like he knew what was going on. So then I just started being like, well, at least one of us understands. So I'm just going to let him understand. But then we would find that like a day or two later, even he couldn't explain, like I couldn't, even if it seemed like it made sense when I left, like I, I couldn't repeat it. I couldn't explain it to anybody else. So those experiences made me believe that this was all very, very complicated. You know, like what, what I now say to anybody I work with is like, listen, I need like kindergarten level. I'm not joking. Okay. Cause I would go in there going like, I am a smart person. Why can I not understand this thinking that it was my fault? And instead I just needed to find someone who didn't need to use a bunch of fancy words and language to kind of maybe, I think he did that sort of to justify why he was an expert and maybe like why he was so good at this. And here's the thing, he was good at it. That's why I was like, kind of, that, that almost, you know, if he wasn't getting us returns, then maybe I'd be like, well, hold on a second. But like, things always look good. So I was like, okay. So it wasn't actually until I owned this business where I started going, you know what? I think I might actually have to start figuring out some more of this stuff and really understanding it, especially when it came to like accounting and taxes, which is like, you know, so not fun to think about or talk about. But I finally realized like, you know, ultimately this is on me. Like these people work for me and it's my job to manage them. And if I can't understand what they're saying, then I have to tell them. And if they are not able to explain it to me in a way that I understand, then it's not a good fit. And I need to go find somebody else who can help me. So anyway, I think probably a lot of people have a similar experience and I would just love to know what your experience was, if you worked with someone, if you didn't, if you did it on your own and what to do in that scenario. Great, great, great point. So I actually, the first step, well, apart from looking at our debt, that I thought I was going to take as a financially matured or maturing human being was hire the financial advisor that my program director had had give us a talk because he's my program director's financial advisor. My my program director was coming from a great place. He wanted to help. And the only way he knew to help was give the only resource that he was using. That was a bad idea because we did end up signing with that person. And it sounds like the exact story you just shared right now, which is a very, very common story. Okay, I'm not against financial advisors. In fact, there are financial advisors that are amazing. And my hope going forward is to be able to create a list of financial advisors that people can sort of like vet themselves. However, if you think about the fact that it works for them for you to not feel confident in some ways, like some financial advisors, right? The good ones want you to be empowered about your money and they will explain it to you. And they would not just talk at you, but will coach you as they talk to you because they want you to be empowered. However, some of them really just want you to think it's too hard, too complicated, but you're a physician. And just FYI, we have a reputation as docs in the world that we're bad with money. Right. In fact, I had a client who was after we worked together, decided that she wanted to get a financial advisor, which is completely fine. It can work together with your knowledge. Right. It's like complimentary. 
And the first financial advisor she spoke with said, oh, you're a physician. Uh, yeah, you guys don't have time. And yeah, physicians are not good with money. Needless to say, she didn't hire that person. I mean, she told me that if she, we hadn't worked together, she probably would have, because that was the truth that she felt back then. But now that she knows more, she felt empowered and could actually make a more informed decision. So for me, I was like her a couple months ago where I got the financial advisor and he would throw the numbers at me, throw the chart at me. And I didn't know how I was paying him. There was no transparency of how I was getting paid. I was just happy I wasn't writing him a check, even though it was actually making money from my stuff, right? What you don't know could be hurting you pretty much, right? So what we, when I started getting this information, when I started learning, I realized that it was not making the best decision for us. Right. And part of that is the things it was investing in were very complicated. The more complicated it looks, the less trustworthy it is, in my opinion. Right. It should be simple. And we know based on data that simple does not mean not successful. Your investments can be like your entire investment. I don't care how much your net worth is, can be written down on a piece of paper. And it would be fantastically fine. And you would actually do better than someone that's like changing things every single day. Right. So once we started to learn, we realized it was not the right fit for us. So we actually fired him. Okay. The other thing too was coincidentally, he had, we had money with him that he was managing and we had money that we were managing and managing ourselves as sort of like making it sound fancy. We weren't really managing it. We just put it there in something that was auto doing whatever it wanted. And after a year together, the stuff we had was doing better than the stuff that we had with him. So we're like, why are we paying this guy that doesn't agree with our principles and how we want to invest our money? So we let him go. And so we've been managing our finances ourselves since then. And guys, literally, like, listen, listen, the stuff is not hard. I promise you. I promise you. It's not hard. The reason why it's hard is because you think it is. But once we help you manage your mind and really help you learn the ABCs, you can do this stuff and you can make it simple and successful. And if you decide you want to get a financial advisor, it would not be from a place of having no choice or needing one. Or it fear be, that you're screwing fear. everything up. Yeah. Exactly. It would be because I- You're going to be like destitute at 85 with nowhere to, you know, <laughs> living on social security or whatever. In a homeless shelter. Don't have any money left. Yeah. 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 So yes, but that's a very common experience for a lot of people. And I'm going to reiterate this because I think a lot of there's a lot of people in the physician community that are anti-financial advisors. I am not. I am just anti-thinking that a financial advisor is a substitute to your own financial empowerment. Yes. Yeah. It's like it's like both have their own place and you don't necessarily need the advisor, but you need the financial empowerment. Like that you need to know. You need to know what's going on with your money. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, when you think about it, there's like a ton of guilt and shame and embarrassment and all this stuff around it. Like, of course, we're going to want to avoid it, right? And then, so so here's another thing we were going to talk about is like how money and, you know, weight, overweight, and overeating issues kind of go play hand in hand. So, right, like it's a lot of it, it can be really similar in a lot of ways, right? We are scared of what's going on with our money. So, you know, what's a nice distraction is a glass of wine or a snack, right? But at the same time, I was telling you before we started recording that I have had many clients who 
totally handle like they're like, I'm not overeating anymore. I'm drinking just, you know, as much as I want to. I'm not over drinking anymore. But now they're totally overspending. So they're like, we're, we're so creative. Our brains, right? I'm like, you know what, brain? You're crafty. I'll hand it to you. <laughs> you know, they're like, and I was telling about one client who was like, but it's thrifting. So everything's so inexpensive, but I can't get off of this. I have to keep looking at it. And so it, it really can tie together in that overspending, avoiding money, all of that. It, it's like, it's like the same thing, just a different flavor, basically. Absolutely. A hundred percent. The same thing, different flavor. And what I tell people is, you know, everything seems hard until you learn it. And then you're like, oh my goodness, how come I thought this was hard, right? Well, it's like being a GI doctor, right? When you were a med student, you're like, oh my gosh. And now you're like, yeah, I learned it and now I can do it. Yeah. I won't tell you about how many times I got stuck in the sigmoid, even as a fellow, (laughs) right? And now I can scope in my sleep, right? So what we're saying is that those things are the same. They're symptoms of similar stuff. And it's not like you're a horrible person. I am. I'm going to speak for myself. These are things that I've experienced completely. And I find myself drifting back to places of like overeating as well when I have stress in my life, right? Because what happens during stress? What happens at midnight? You eat and you shop. (laughs) Right? Right? It's easier than ever. That's the problem, right? With Amazon, buy it now. It's like... Oh my God. I mean, it's like during COVID, I, we talk about the COVID-19, the 19 pounds that people gain. But the other thing that a lot of people did is spend a lot because we're, you know, it's just when we feel those things in our body, we want that feelings to go away. We don't want to feel those emotions. We don't want to feel uncomfortable. We don't want to feel sad. We don't want to feel disempowered. And Part of lashing out is like we just grab into things that's going to make us feel heavier and, you know, that's also going to make us feel better, like going on a shopping spree. And I'm not against shopping spree, just the same way Katrina is not against eating. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. In fact, I'll share a funny story with you. I was coaching in a group recently and one of the ladies said, oh, my goodness, I did something horrible. I made the worst financial decision ever. I bought a truck. And I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't, but it was just a nice truck. And I said, I want to hear about your truck. Tell me about it. And she went on for two minutes about why she bought this truck and how it makes her feel badass. And I'm like, I want you to feel that every single day with or without a truck, right? And that's the thing. We want you to feel great without needing to like feel like you have to overspend or underspend because there are people that actually hoard money as, as well, which is by itself another pathology. But we want you to live well. We want you to love yourself. We want you to breathe well so that money and food can do what they were designed to do, which is be an accessory and just to be enjoyed. And Help to facilitate the life that we want to live, not be what we're constantly focusing on and obsessed with. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So you have four steps to changing your money mindset. And I would love it if you could just touch on those. Absolutely. So when it comes to money, there is, and people don't, you know, a lot of your audience are going to know about mindset, but a lot of times people are like, I don't know what you mean by money mindset. I just want, I just want In case people don't. 
Yeah. And it's just the way we think about our money, the way we think about how we spend, the way we think about debt. Because I just told you about debt, but debt is actually not necessarily something evil or made by the devil. It's something that we can actually use as a tool in a way that's breathable, not in a way that's like fasting or famine, right? So when I talk to people about the four steps, I always talk about how to rethink things like your spending, how to rethink how you think about debt, how to rethink how you earn money, because you're a pediatrician. We all know that pediatricians need to get paid more, right? But <laughs> but what people make that mean is that I cannot earn more money. But the I thing 100% is- believe that. I was like, the only way I could make more money is to like see more patients and, you know, or work more hours, be away from my family. It was a terrible mindset. I thought it was fact. Yes, it feels like the fact. So there's evidence. And yes, you should get paid more. However, that is one fraction of your source of income and should not be a reflection of your value as a person or what you're worth in terms of numbers, right? It just oh means gosh. that that's what this- <laughs> You're going to love this because I rec- just recorded an episode about value that hasn't even aired yet. And that's exactly what oh, I really? Okay. Well, hey, oh, we're either both wrong or we're both right, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's the point. But I want people to think about our income in a way that's different, where if this is a fraction of your income, what do you want the rest to look like? Where do you want it to come like? Right. So, again, we talk about rethinking how we relate to our spending, rethinking how we relate to debt. We're thinking how we relate to our income and sources of income. And then the last, which is my favorite, is rethinking your relationship with yourself. Right. Because without a strong, deep, mind-blowingly neutral or fabulous relationship with yourself, you're never going to create the kind of wealth that you want to create. Wealth that grows, wealth that's breathable, wealth that's healthy, wealth that's not suffocating, wealth that gives, because literally money is like stuff that flows through us, right? let it in and we let it out. We take some of it to build our future, to be the change we want to see in the world, to have a cushion, but there has to be an outlet because otherwise then it's not, it's like being full of crap. You constipate it. It's not healthy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you know what I, what I say in that episode, I'll just reiterate it here for anyone who doesn't, hasn't heard that one is that you know, we need to have money in the hands of the good guys, the good people, the good ladies, right? You know, so when we think that, you know, it's bad for us to have money or we shouldn't have money or it'll mean something negative about us if we have money, like we're totally confused. And it doesn't mean like, oh, you can get a bunch of money, but then you need to donate it, which you can do and is amazing. And so many women do give money to very admirable, you know, different organizations, which is great. But there's so many other things that you could do with that money, like creating experiences for you and the people that you love, opportunities for people that you love. I mean, so many women are the ones who are using the money they have to put you know, other family members through school, support people in other ways, support elderly relatives, parents, things like that. Like you having more money is not a bad thing. And I will go to my grave arguing that like more money is better Not because you're like a better person or you're more important than someone else, but because of it's a tool that you can then use to influence the world in the ways that you want to. Absolutely. Social change is incredibly important to me. And last year when, you know, 
in the middle of COVID, there was a lot of things going on with Black Lives Matter. And I partnered with some other colleagues, physicians, of um, colleagues of mine that are fantastic. And we organized like a Black Lives Matter for White Code here locally in Sacramento. And I will tell you that when I wanted to do that, when I chose to do that, I didn't ask my hospital system if it was okay for them, if I did that. However, there was a moment where I asked myself if how are they going to react if they see me in a white coat on TV doing this, leading this, co-leading this? And I felt like, okay, they may not be happy about it and I may lose my job. And I was completely fine with that. Completely fine with that. And I could use my voice the way I feel like is ethical in ways that are valuable to me. And I would do that till I take my last breath. And if money is evil, then that's the kind of evil that I want because that's the evil that changes the world because money really isn't evil. So I can, I mean, physicians, if you want to be inspired, go read personal statements that we wrote. We are, I mean, like we are world changers and that world starts from our home, starts from our living room, right? And goes beyond our communities. And then we go through medicine and there's this almost like this deconditioning, this stripping of who we truly are. And what I found is when we actually do this work and we help people remember that actually money is a tool for you to go back and borrow lessons from that version of you that wrote that personal statement so you can change the world, I will argue, and I don't need to argue to my last breath because I have no plans of taking that breath, <laughs> but I will argue with you that it's a little unethical for you to have the capacity to earn more and not do that. And not do it. Oh, yes. And I just want to point out that when you were organizing the, you know, the Black Lives Matter event and, you know, you had that thought cross your mind about your job and, you know, they, maybe they would fire you. It's possible. It could happen that, you know, someone who doesn't understand, you know, the important, well, first of all, that your value as a human is, is fixed and abundant and could never be any greater or less than no matter what you do or what job you have, but then also understand your value as a physician and knowing that if they don't see that for whatever reason, great, you'll go find someone who does like that's that level of relationship with yourself and confidence in yourself that allows you then to live your life in the way that you really want to, that, you know, allows you to be able to do something like that and go out there and take that risk. When you're living that, that small, small life, like what is everybody going to think? And, you know, if, if, if I lose my job, then I'll lose everything and then I won't have any money. And then I'll be living in a homeless shelter. Right. Like even when we can logically understand that's not true, when your mindset is in that place, you won't go and make the changes that you want to, you know, make in the, in the world, whether it's social justice or so often we hear physicians talking about how, you know, the whole culture of medicine or the administration or like, you know, these big systemic forms of oppression within medicine, but then they're not doing anything about it, which is fine, but it's way more empowering to go, you know what, I'm going to go and, and put my hat in the ring and I'm going to try to make some changes. I'm going to do what I can, little old me. In my little corner of the world, I'm going to do what I can do instead of just playing small because someone might get mad. And then, you know, then what will I do? Absolutely. And what I tell people is when women have money, women physicians have money, we make decisions that are different. Decisions that are better. Decisions that are healthier. I'm sorry if my voice is going down. It's because I'm really like, this is so... You're into it. This, this, is, this is just... and. There's a lot that's going on in medicine that may feel like it's outside of our control. 
And there's a lot in medicine that is within our control. If we start to see our power and we put ourselves and position ourselves in a place that's empowered where we're okay walking. Yeah, right. Exactly. Oh my gosh. That's so good. I mean, just like moment of silence for that. (laughs) (laughs) So good. We can change medicine, guys. We can change medicine. And I don't care if you want to practice medicine or not. There's no one size fits all. For some people, not seeing patients in clinic is the best gift you can give your patients. Like, for example, I see my patients. I'm going to practice medicine for a very long time. However, I also have this backdoor way where I help physicians by helping with their money so they can be better physicians as well. So whatever your path is to helping physicians or helping your family, the bottom line is what you're doing is a small piece of the puzzle for how we can rebuild medicine, not just for ourselves, but for that. That pre-med student that's like, I think I want to be a doctor. Like we, like we have the responsibility, not in a bad, crazy, negative way, but in an empowered way to make medicine better for those people, which makes it better for us. And it really starts with just owning the power that we have in ourselves, the power that we have in our voice that may be covered under a cloud of like dust because no one has helped us blow the dust away, but it's totally available for you. And I don't care what part of the world you're in. This applies to you as well. Yeah. Yes. That's, I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that. One other thing, last thing I want to ask you is I think there are a lot of people who say, well, my partner handles all of that. He or she is the money person. He or she is the one who knows all about it. So I don't need to even worry about it or think about it because they've got it covered. And, you know, there's thoughts about that. So I'd love to know what you think. I will tell you that a lot of people that I've worked with that thought that once they started learning about finances, they realized that their partner didn't got it as much as they thought they got it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So number one, that may be a story you're telling yourself and maybe you're not great with money yet and your partner is better, but you know, maybe you're, this is not like judgment, but maybe you're like D and your partner's like C minus minus. And you're like, oh my God, they're so much better. So now what I want you to do is regardless of how great you are, they are, imagine what happens when you add your brain and your fabulousness to the wealth of your family. It just helps a lot of things when it comes to numbers. The other thing as well is I love teaching women about money because it's never just about money. It's also about their relationship. So what I find is when women are able to learn or the other partner that thinks they're not as good with money starts to get more comfortable with money, it brings the communication level to a better point where it actually deepens their relationship. And honestly, there's a reason why money is one of the top causes of divorce. So by being able to communicate about money, not just the numbers, but also a lot of the psychology behind it, it also helps, I think, decreases the chances of divorce. But even if you do get divorced or separated, you both end up better, which I hope is what you would want for each other. Yeah. And you never want to stay in a relationship because you're afraid then you'll have to handle the money, you know, or like you won't know what to do and it's just better to stay where the other person is handling it. Yeah. Love that. One more thing to add to that is actually had a guest on my um, vlog, which is going to be a podcast starting like in June, (laughs) by the way, I had someone come in who is a fantastic lady that 
chose to come and share about her physician husband, who unfortunately passed away. He was the financial one that was doing everything. She didn't know anything about the money. She deferred everything to him. And he unfortunately died suddenly of a surprising, died on while hiking the mountains. And now she's left. She's a stay-at-home mom, taking care of the kids, not knowing anything about money, not knowing anything about where the money's at and sort of like the challenges associated with that and how she had to learn. So she did figure it out because I truly believe that women are, we have the capacity to do crazy things. However, we don't have to wait to that point to at least be knowledgeable or empowered about our finances. And, you know, God forbid something like that happens, like on top of your grief, now you've got to sort that out too. It's just like really takes a, a, awful experience that makes it, you know, unnecessarily worse. Really? Yeah, I love that. That's so good. So you actually have a free mini course to help women with money. And so I'd love it if you tell us about it and how we can get it. Absolutely. Go get it. It is on my website. And so this is a course that I, I, it's a mini course that I was considering selling, to be honest with you, but it was really good. And I know that not everybody is ready to invest in coaching yet. And I'm like, okay, listen, I don't care where you are. I just want you to be better. So, and I've had people reach out to me and tell me that that mini course was exactly what they needed to at least get started. So what I go through in that mini course are those four things that I talked about in terms of how to build that financial freedom and how to fix that relationship with money. And I really get to help you learn how to think differently in a way that helps you grow. It's not about making you someone else. It's about helping you unlearn some of the things you've learned before and now truly start to get what you need to get to learn how to create your own finances and build your own net worth because that's what that's about. But I help you do it through that mini course in a way that's healthy, in a way that's not fire, crazy, you know, fasting, NG tube so you can lose weight, weight. No, <laughs> none of that nonsense. We want you to enjoy it, breathe into it and live well. It's not better there nor here. And you can start to have a better financial life now. Awesome. And so they can just go to moneyfitmd.com forward slash freedom. So M-O-N-E-Y-F-I-T-M-D.com forward slash freedom. Love it. Thanks for spelling that out. <laughs> yes. I, I, I'm telling you, I'm so used to it. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'll just like, sometimes I'm embarrassing myself. You ever done that? I used to do that where I'd be like signing my name on the credit card thing and I put MD at the end. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> me too. Sorry. Sorry, Katrina. I never do that. You're all alone. I'm the only one who does that. I'd be like, you're the only one. Sorry. (laughs) Just writing my name all day long. Yes. No, I do that. I sign on my kids' school stuff. I'm like, you know, doctor. I'm like, actually, never mind. No, it's just on my ear. (laughs) Just mama. Mama. Exactly. Well, Adifa, thank you so much for for coming on. It was so, so fun. And I'm sure you're going to help so many people with what you're doing. Thank you for having me here. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Health is important. And I'm just so grateful that there are communities of women physicians that are empowering each other and just helping us all create a better life because that's what this is about. So thank you. Ready to start making progress on your weight loss goals? For lots of free help, go to katrinaubellmd.com and click on free resources.